But then this gave me a question, like, what is a great woman? No, I started checking people because I wanted to know what is a great woman. Is this person a great woman? Is my mom a great woman? And then next step is I started checking myself. Every time I did something, I was asking myself, is that what a great woman will do? And this was very good for me because I think in, in a clumsy way, I was trying to find what we call the, the correct situation and relationship and function in the world. I think it was the first time I started looking inside. I started looking inside of what I was doing and why I was doing it. Barbara Pardo, Gide Popsini, was introduced to Buddhism through her parents, Fernando and Rosana, who were some of Zen master Sungsan's first students in Spain. Her father has served as abbot of Bori Zen Center in Barcelona since the 1980s. Barbara began her own practice after meeting Zen Master Bon Shim in 1994. In 2008, she re-established a permanent home for the Sangha in Barcelona. And later in 2012, she and her husband Tonda moved to the Pyrenees to help establish Borisa Retreat Center. Barbara is a graphic designer who works for the publishing company La Liebre de Marzo, which has published many Buddhist books, including the Spanish editions of Zen Master Sung San's Dropping Ashes on the Buddha and Compass of Zen. Barbara received Inca from Zen Master Bonshim in 2019. You are listening to Sit, Breathe, Bow, a podcast for practitioners. Each week, leading Buddhist teachers share life experiences and insights to help guide your meditation practice, as well as your life off of the cushion. I am your host, Ian White-Marr. This podcast is sponsored by the Quantum Online Sangha, a virtual Zen practice community of the International Quantum School of Zen. Members of the online Sangha meditate together, study with teachers, and participate in workshops and courses to develop their practice. Listeners of this podcast are invited to try a free month of training, which includes live Q&A interviews with Zen teachers, discounts on webinars and online classes, and access to a private community where students can discuss their practice and receive guidance. To access your free month of training, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. Barbara, there's an expression here in the United States where we call um, the kids of ministers, we call them PKs or preacher kids. And uh, they're often quite funny because they they end up um, either like loving the church or something like that, or they really run in the other direction. And you uh, were raised by two of Zen Master Sung San's first students, and um, your parents were really involved with the Quantum School of Zen. But, you know, in our pre-interview, you talked about how in the beginning, you really did not like the quantum school, but here you are. Now you're a Bobsanim. Can you walk us through what it was like to sort of grow up Buddhist 
children of active Buddhists, and then, you know, meeting Sungsan, I suppose, and not liking it, <laughs> and then finally coming to the practice. Yes, actually, it's funny because I had both uh, reactions: hating and then loving. After, uh, first mm. of all, I never met the master Sungsan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe I can explain you how my father met the Master Sun first, and sure, yeah, because it was kind of interesting how how karma works. Because when he was in the university, he was a hippie. This is, this your is dad. my dad, and it's seventies, uh, yeah. like end of seventies or middle seventies. So he was reading the Bidniks. He was reading Jackerwag. And then Jackerwag talks about meditation and Zen, and then he got interested. And I don't know how in the 70s in Spain, no Amazon and no internet and no, <laughs> and Franco and, and no Buddhist at all, he got a copy of the Dropping Ashes on the Buddha <laughs> from the Master Sun. <laughs> Wow. Uh, he was all, always into books after he made this publishing company, <laughs> but he was into books and and then he read and he liked it a lot. And at the end of the book, there was this address of Providence and Center, and he wrote a letter with questions because he saw in the book that people wrote letters to the Zen masters. And he also wrote a letter to another Zen master in Europe, in France. So he wrote both of them. He wants to become a student of them. And this French Zen master sent back uh, just a flyer, like publicity for some retreat or brochure <laughs> about the center. And the master Sun sent back a very nice letter, like with answering all his questions and very warm. And he really loved this letter. But the interesting thing is with the letter, it came the newsletter from Providence and Center. At that time, was very primitive. Was sheet of paper. In one side, it was the the Master Sun Dharma talk, and in the other side, it was uh, many small news, like from Zen centers. Like in this in the Zen center, there is precept ceremony. There is Yom and Jonjin in this other Zen center, and this kind of news. And the last news of all. The smallest one was somebody from Palma de Mallorca who was living, was studying art in Rhode Island and practicing in Providence Center. He was coming back to Palma de Mallorca, which is this island near Spanish island. If somebody wants to make a center, please call me to this number. So my father phoned to this guy and they invited the master Seuzan. Wow. So did did uh did Sungsan come to Barcelona or to Palma or where did yeah, he go? Then he like, went uh, maybe in the 81 or something like this. Next trip he made to Europe, he went to Palma and he went to Barcelona. Every year he used to go both places once a year. Wow. And so <laughs> So he he became a st- so when did Franco Franco died seventy five and that was about he wrote my my father wrote some Master Sun maybe seventy eight or something or seventy nine mm-hmm. 
And then after a couple of years, the master's son made his trip to made his first trip. trip. And, and I was about four years old by then. And it's so in, like just thinking about you know Zen master Bone Shim, who the you know the, your teacher mm -hmm. and and Inca. Um, you know, some of her story is you know she was growing up in Poland, in communist Poland, and somehow he found a way to, to get into Poland. And it's just so curious how he was able to um, just connect with all of these uh, people, uh, as you said, like before Amazon, before the internet, just by writing letters. Yes, because in Spain also no Buddhist uh, tradition at all. Nobody was Buddhist. Nobody knew nothing. Even now, now it's different. Now it's more yoga and all this, but people don't know who right. is Buddha. Or <laughs> Now not so much, but when I started, not many people was interested. In this. So why? So your dad started practicing, your parents mm -hmm. started practicing, and they started, I guess, uh, Bodhi uh, yes. Center, right? Mm -hmm. And, but then you, you were not, you didn't like the school. What, why well, not? What was going I didn't on? like, uh, I was a kid and kids want to fit in. I didn't like, my parents were different. Uh, my oh, parents right. were not only hippies on top of that, they were in some cult and they were, they were yeah. wearing a strange <laughs> robes and chanting who knows what and with their friends. So my, uh, my defense mechanism in that time, I remember it was pretending it was not happening. So, uh, this side of my parents, I, I really tried hard not to, I could, uh, not to see it. Uh, I managed to go through all my childhood and teenage years without knowing nothing about quantum school or Buddhism or Zen or this Korean man in the picture in my father's, my parents' room, who he was. So I really tried to avoid this side of. I know some weekends I have to go to my my uncle's house because they were going somewhere and I know they were doing something, but I don't want to go into it and just reject. So when did it switch for you? Like what happened that, that caused you to pick up the practice? Uh, well, it was not one moment. It was, uh, for example, one of the things I more hated was that my vacation home always was the Zen Center. No, no, ma no matter what, <laughs> where it was, in the beach, in the mountain, or big, small, it was always the Zen Center. And there was one weekend every month I cannot go because they, this is my parents and their friends are there doing their things and, and I cannot go. So one time I was 18, I think, 18 or 19. I went to my vacation home. Uh, I checked the dates. There is not these retreats going on or something. But I arrived and, uh, Aurora, there is a, this person there. <laughs> there is this teacher there because she stays after retreat. She stayed for some vacation. 
So I arrived there in the night and there is this teacher there and I, I cannot run away because it's too late. So I have to stay until next day. Next day I, I run away. And I want to be polite, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I just be with her and maybe have breakfast or talk a little bit with her. She was born, she was born. Not mm. about Dharma or nothing, just small talk. But I, something about her uh, impressed me. I don't know. I thought uh, this person she is different than the other persons. This is not nice to say, but what I th- concretely what I thought is this woman is different from my mom. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. she's, she seems, it seems she knows what she's doing. And it seems a person I could trust her. I, I had good impression from impression from her. But then I, I left and I I didn't thought about her anymore. I was really I was busy at that time being a cool teenager in Barcelona, <laughs> having fun and going to parties and I was I was studying art and, and all this. So at that moment uh was just this first impression, first uh, contact. But then one year later, some suffering appeared. I was uh, studying in the night art, and in the morning I was doing this internship, like working for free. So you get uh, some, you practice about your profession, which was graphic design I wanted to do. And I was living by myself already, and I was working in the weekends in a nightclub, in a techno club. And I was really like busy and traveling all the time and, and going to parties all the time and having many friends and many boyfriends and, and chasing after things and wanting experiences. But this, uh, this really, I was not satisfied with this. I was, uh, I had this question about my life. I. I really didn't th- thought th- I sh- I should do this with my life. Especially what uh, now I remember what happened is that I was finishing my studies and I had to start working and I had this question like uh, now what I have to get married and have a child and I start working to to maintain this child and my child will have another child and he has to work to <laughs> to give food to this child. This was a question for me because I think I don't have this family karma. So for me, it was, was not what I wanted to do, but I didn't saw any choice. So that's why I, I was not happy with my life in that time. And I was thinking there should be something else about from this, but I couldn't find it. And I must have been very desperate because I talked to my mom about this. <laughs> I never talked to my mom about anything, but I talked about her with her about this. And then she she was great. She told me, you know, Barbara, you know this woman you met and you you liked her. Uh, sometimes when we have problems, we we write to our teachers and we we ask them what to do. Do you want to do that? And I I did that, and mm. and I sent uh, I sent up. Uh, there was no internet at the time, 
there was internet, but not mm-hmm. everybody, not like now that everybody had internet. Right. So I write this letter, very short letter, and just uh, saying nothing actually. Just uh, you were, it was nice to to meet you. I hope someday we meet again. How are you? And then at the end, I put, uh, I don't know how you say it in American, P.S., you know, mm-hmm. P.S. Mm, right now, my life is not so good, but I hope soon will change and maybe we can see each other again. Something like this, very vague, vague like not concrete. And then she answered a few weeks later and she sent me, even shorter, she sent me a postcard. <laughs> Because she was in Korea, sitting in Kyolche. So when she came back, she had a lot of postcards from Korea with temples. So she sent me this postcard. This postcard was three lines, and two of them changed my life. Wow. What what, <laughs> what could change your life in two lines? <laughs> so first of all, uh, at the end of the, the postcard, the postcard was something like, ah, nice to hear from you this is a korean temple in the picture you should go sometimes to korea to practice is great and uh, take care barbara you are a great woman take care so this really hit me (laughs) because i was feeling so miserable and so lost and then i read this you are a great woman and i was like what me what's she talking about (laughs) First, I disbelieve, no? What she, she's wrong, what she's talking about. But then this gave me a question, like, what is a great woman? No, I started checking, mm-hmm. checking people, uh, women actually around me, because I wanted to know what is a great woman. Is this person a great woman? Is my mom a great woman? This actress, she's a great woman. And then next step is I starting checking myself. <laughs> Uh, I started every time I did something or I I want to do something. I was asking myself, is that what a great woman will do? Or a great woman have have done this that I just did? And this was very that's very good for me because I think in in a clumsy way I was trying to find what we call the the correct situation and relationship and function in the world. So I, I was trying to, to be correct. And then it was the way, I think it was the first time I started looking inside instead of chasing after, after things and, and running around. And I started looking inside of what I was doing and why I was doing it. So this really changed, changed me slowly, slowly. And so then how did you go from like getting a postcard to wanting to sit meditation and was it just a natural like looking inside and then seeing this as a path for you or how, I mean and then all the way to you know we actually first met on a gosh a, a kilche retreat maybe I don't know how. 2008, I think. 2008, so 12 years ago. You know, at that point, I think you were sitting, was that three months you were yeah, sitting? Or full that, yeah, Yeah, the full Kilche. And so, you know, how do, <laughs> how do you go from getting a postcard and reading, you're a great woman, to uh, 
sitting, you know, that's not your only, the only time you've sat three months and, um, and to becoming a Pope's name. Like what? How does that happen? Well, this is the second line of the of the postcard right. <laughs> that changed me. Uh, because yeah. Bonshim Sonsanim, she also wrote, wrote, wrote in the postcard a PS at the end after her sign, signature. And she put PS, like by passing, you, passing by, you know. Uh, when we have difficulties, maybe we try Quantum Bosal mantra. Maybe this can help. <laughs> wow. So that was like my uh, entry path to the, my door to the practice. I only could do this at that time. I could not, uh, I tried some retreats after, but what happened is that I started to do this quantum bosal every time, especially in this nightclub, because I was so unhappy there. I hated to work there. <laughs> I was like, mm. okay, my job is to give alcohol to people. This is horrible. I didn't, at the beginning was fun because I was going as a client and then they asked me to work and I thought it would be same, but it's not same, of course. And, right. and I was there having hard time in this place and also still thinking about, should I get married now and have a child and do this kind of life that I don't want to do? And quantum bosal, quantum bosal, just to don't think in all this. And quantum bosal helped me actually, because in this club, somebody came and told me, you know, I'm going in a trip around the world. Do you want to come? And I said, yes, <laughs> because I was so, so, you know, so lost. I don't know what to do. And I said, okay, this is my chance to, to change my life. I just wanted to to change my life and I, I didn't see a way out. <laughs> so I said yes. And I went in this trip with this person who I barely knew, <laughs> but it was very nice trip. It was one year and a half. Also, yeah, it was wow. very good training because we were tra traveling with no money. So you really have to learn to follow situation <laughs> and you have no choice many times. Right. And, Thanks to this trip, I think then when I went to Kielces, it was quite easy for me. Uh, I remember going to Poland with the Spanish group <laughs> and everybody was having so much hard time with the food and the, the, the beds are hard and many people in one room, but I didn't have these this obstacles, <laughs> at least different obstacles, yes, with my mind and my, my practice and everything, but this, sure. at least, I in this trip, I I could uh, really train on this. What happens is I had many adventures. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed this trip. I came back to Barcelona, and right away, same problems <laughs> appear. Now what? I have to get married, have a child, get a job, and, and have this family. That's when I started practicing, really. It, I wow. thought, well, I have to do something about it. And traveling was not enough. So. And so who taught you? Did that, I mean, so Zen Master Bonshim said, try Quonsam Bosal mm -hmm. chanting. Or just, you know, Quonsam Bosal. And so did you know that already from just 
growing up with your parents or did you talk to your parents about what she meant by that or how did that no i didn't talk to my parents about practice i started going retreats with them in the in my uh-huh. vacation home <laughs> and and okay. it was also was an i think was an easy entry for me in the practice because i knew everybody there were my parents friends also a couple of my friends started with me so I started like this. What happened is that in Barcelona, there was not everyday practice, only there was one retreat a month, one day and a mm-hmm. half. And well, I started to go to some Dharma talks and I really connected with the, with the teaching was very, I feel stupid because I was in love immediately and I thought I, I have wasted so much time. It was this was, <laughs> was I, what I was uh, looking for. I had so close and, and myself right. was uh, rejecting it. So I started traveling a lot because I could not practice in Barcelona, was not you know, teacher and was not the uh, center in mm-hmm. Barcelona for everyday practice. So that uh, that meant I have to go around Europe. I was going, trying to go to, to many retreats. Mm. Wow. So like once, once you made the decision to follow the practice, you really got right into it. Yeah, it was obvious for me. I don't know. I I, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it, this practice. And I understood uh, if I start doing this, I have to do it. I have to keep doing it. And right. also I see it was helping me. I see effect, the effects. And, and so uh, you you did end up getting married. Um, and. And then you and your husband, a few years ago, left Barcelona mm-hmm. and moved to the Pyrenees. And you now, uh, and, and you, did you start Bodhisattva Temple up there? Was there anything there when you moved up there? Or how did, now, you know, now you run this temple in the mountain, which I think a lot of, <laughs> You know, when you hear these old Zen <laughs> stories, it's all these, you know, teachers in the mountains. Um, and you are now sort of living, living that life, uh, not working in discotheques, <laughs> but <laughs> a teacher in the Pyrenees Mountains. So how did, how did Bodhisattva Temple come about? Well, it was a process. Actually, first we did a Zen Center in Barcelona before before mm-hmm. the the bodhisattva one one of the the retreats when i was I wanted to practice and i don't have pl- place in barcelona uh, what happened is that uh, the master songhyang that was before the kyolche in providence she did a teaching tour in in europe this is bobby rhodes yeah bobby rhodes okay mm-hmm. and she stayed at in my house when she was in barcelona and I think she was recruiting people for, she was leading the Kyolche this winter and she was trying to get the students from, from Europe to go to, to this Kyolche. Oh, wow. And I, <laughs> I, I, I was the only one, I think, who bite the, <laughs> the hook. 
Well, it turns out she picked well. <laughs> you ended up a teacher. <laughs> and then I, I did this three months Kyolche. First time I did so such a long retreat and it was amazing. It was really a very amazing experience for me. And when I ended this Kyolche, I felt so clear and so strong. And so, well, it was very, very, very wonderful how I felt. I don't want to lose it. So what I did when I came back to Barcelona, next day, with all the jet lag and everything, I started Zen Center in my, in my apartment because I knew by myself I could not practice. It was not easy to practice alone. So, Right. Yeah, it's not. So I, I did this, and it was really difficult because in the beginning, you know, nobody came. I was alone most of the time. I forced my parents to go, but <laughs> apart from them, <laughs> maybe a couple of persons come or, or... But it was good for me for to build up the discipline because every day I, I had announced it, so every day I had to be there, even if nobody comes. Mm -hmm. And then I complained to Bonshim, I write her emails, and this is so hard. And I remember she told me, don't, don't worry, Barbara, you just practice, just practice. And then your light, your Dharma light will shine and somebody's other will appear to help you. And somebody came, somebody appeared one morning and it was the young guy very young, 18 years old or something, very young. And I remember he came one hour before the practice time. So I was pissed off because <laughs> it was too early. <laughs> but right. uh, I told him, okay, since you are here, I made him tea and I told him, since you are here, I'm going to make you some introduction. I'm going to explain you how we practice and, and what we will do. And he said, Ah, no, don't worry. Not necessary. I just had three months Kyolchi in Musangsa and I know everything. <laughs> yeah, oh I was very surprised. So uh, who is this guy? How, how come you, you said, I never saw him anywhere in Europe or in Spain. And so I asked him, how come you went to Musangsa to see three months? And he said, you don't remember, but one year ago I sent email to all the Zen centers I could find because I want to do a long retreat and only you answer, <laughs> nobody else answered. And then you proposed me this Poland and America and, and Korea. And then I went. So this uh, hit me also. I thought, wow, this guy just gets an email and goes to Korea. And I'm practicing for 10 years already or whatever. I never been there in the you know, the birthplace of our tradition and, mm -hmm. and I don't know, I'm a stubborn or something, but after two months, I was in Korea sitting my second three months Kyolche. <laughs> 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 and there, there is where, well, I met my husband there and that was also a, a very good retreat. Okay, so you, you met Tonda in, in, in yeah. Sangsa, and then how do you then retreat up into the mountains? Yeah, then, well, he, uh, I met him there, but uh, we didn't uh, become couple or nothing there. We just practiced together. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I remember he, he told me, he, he take me to the airport when I left because I, I had bought many things in this uh, Buddhist shop, like presents. And <laughs> actually I bought for the altar, all these candles, 
holders and oh, right. very big ones because we had a big Buddha in Barcelona, the Sons and Incense mm-hmm. in the beginning, but it was so big, it was in storage because if you put the Buddha, you cannot put two persons, you have to take out two people. So, right. Oh, it's so, so big. I came back with this, all these things, and my mom was, You're crazy. What, what are you doing with this huge, <laughs> huge uh, incense ball? And I was like, Yeah, one day we will use the big Buddha. You will see. <laughs> I was kind of like this. But uh, in the airport, Tonda told me something. Uh, she, he told me, Okay, bye bye. And take good care of your temple back in Barcelona. And I thought, wow, this guy is silly. <laughs> What's he talking about? My temple. I have my dining room in Barcelona. And, but in the plane, I thought about it. And I thought, well, he's right. Because, you know, it's the only pla- place in Spain you can practice this, this. You can do this practice and hear this wonderful teaching from the Sonsonin. And I started to take better care. And and really help this putting more energy and and then suddenly he came to spain <laughs> he decided to disrobe and came to spain and then he came to live to spain and for the first two years i remember uh, he was sitting kiolce summer and winter in the in poland or in hungary because uh, you know, after 10 years, 10 years of being a monk, I, I understood I cannot suddenly make him get a job or it, it was not working, no, like this. So, right. so he was doing these kiolches, but uh, he was also not so happy because uh, he's from mountains also from birth. He's from Czech Republic, from a place with mountains. And then after Korea, many mountains. So he, he was not so ha- happy in the, in the city. It's just I don't know when the when the time is it's ripe. I think things happen, <laughs> no, one after another. And then what happened is one of these times he he was going for Kyolche. I also want to do some retreat, but I don't want to go where he is. And I decided I want to do a solo retreat. And I'm looking for a place to do this solo retreat. Uh, only three weeks I wanted to do. And I cannot find because everything is very expensive. And and then my boss uh, told me, you know, near my home, he was living in Girona. Girona is where Borisa is, this area. He said, near my home, there is a Tibetan temple. I know the monks. Maybe we can go to talk to them and you can make some arrangement and do this, do the retreat there. And I said, okay. And he said, but, you know, come for my, come to lunch, for, to my house for lunch, and then we go to this place. And I went, and the house was really nice, a small house, uh, next to a village, but a little bit in the forest. And I had th- this idea when I was there, maybe we can get something like this near Barcelona. No, I will be, because I was from always in Barcelona, in downtown Barcelona, I was living. <laughs> so I don't want to go far away. I, I thought, well, maybe near Barcelona, we get a small house and sometimes we do retreats or. I had this seat of this idea. So when I left the house, I congratulate the wife of my boss. I told her, congratulations, this, you have a very nice house. And she told me, 
you know, it was not so easy to find this house. I had to do some practices, some visualizations, because she's uh, Vipassana. She practiced Vipassana. So she told me this. And I just had read this uh, Dharma talk or article by Sifu, by the Master De Guan in Hong Kong. And she explains she almost lost her Zen Center once. And then the Son Sanim told her to do this mantra, Hom Son Jung. <laughs> yeah. huh. So at that moment, I thought, well, we have a practice also to, in that moment, I thought we have this practice to get things. <laughs> so also like this woman, these visualizations, maybe I could try this. And also I wanted to try because I never did this long kiddo, this kind of, <laughs> so I wanted to try what happens. Maybe I try. So I came back home and I told Tonda, I'm going to do this 100 days, this home Son Jong. Do you want to try? And he said, okay, I will do. He was going to Poland in a few days to the Kielce, three months Kielce. He said, I will do also there. And I did in Barcelona and he was doing it in Poland. And then I went to my solo retreat, it was the three last weeks of the Kielce. So he, we, he and me, we ended the, the retreat the same day. I was doing a, still this kiddo every day, one hour. And it was super interesting because the last day of the kiddo, uh, this retreat was really good. This place was in the mountains. I had a little house for myself and I could just practice and be quiet and really help me this retreat. Uh, I was very grateful. And when I finished, I, th I had this, uh, from deep inside, I, I had this, wow, this is so wonderful. I wish, I wish we had some place like this for our school, because this was Tibetan school with Tibetan practice. And I, I really wish we could have this, this place like this. And at that moment, I had <laughs> peep peep in my WhatsApp. <laughs> Somebody sent me a picture of Borisa. <laughs> It's it, yeah, it's, no. it, it's like it sounds like magic, but and it was some Sangha member. Uh, he sent me this picture and he said, uh, You know, I'm in my friend's house in holidays and he wants to sell it or rent it. And this could be the how he called it. He said, This could be the, the retreat center of the south of Europe, will be great. And I saw this picture is this kind of castle in the middle of the mountains, <laughs> huge place. And I see this and I was like, yeah, sure. This is going to be the retreat center of the, of the Europe. I, I didn't thought about for one moment, this will be possible, but then it happened. <laughs> wow. And that was five years ago, six years, How eight years ago, eight, years, eight ago. years ago. Yes. Now in your Inca speech and you, it's interesting, right? Cause this is, I think sort of the, the kind of a little bit of the, the fantasy realm that exists around, you know, the Zen and mm. going to the mountains and stuff like that. Um, but you also, in your Inca speech, you, you have this passage which goes, everybody wants to practice in a place like this, in the middle of the mountains. Um, but this kind of practice is also attachment, attachment to practice. 
If you attach to a good situation, if you want to practice only peace and silence in a beautiful environment, you are missing the true direction of Zen practice. So what does that mean to you? You know, even as you're holding the space for the, you know, the retreat center for the south of Europe, what what does that mean for you? this true direction of Zen practice? Like, what are you offering? What are you trying to help bring to the students now? Well, because, uh, you know, the sometimes used to call it the feel-good practice. It's not enough only to practice to you feel good and you be quiet and and this is only, yeah, this is enlightenment, you know, you you see the truth, you, you come back to your, your don't know and your mind is like a mirror and you can reflect and but then what do you do with this that's the important thing how do you use this to to help your life and to help others you cannot just be sitting around in the mountain enjoying yourself no and also mm-hmm. this way you don't grow you don't we could be here you know me and Tonda, we could be here living as hermits because it's so nice, really, here with the, you know, when I, I, when, when we came to live here, since I saw this picture until I came to live here, it was two months only. That was, it. well, in mm. September, we went to check the place and then in November, we were already living here and <laughs> everything was so fast. Wow was very fast and I had so many things to do, like leave my apartment and give up, give my things away because I don't want to carry them. And, and I remember I had no time to think, just do it, you, you know, only go straight, don't know. It was like this, really. And then in the, we did several trips. We moved first the retreat center. We had in the beach one retreat center. We moved to the mountains. Then I moved my things. And then in the last trip, when I was starting, we have a 40 minutes road from the village in the mountains, like winding road. And that's mm. the only, the first moment I thought, wow, maybe I don't like it <laughs> because I, <laughs> I, I'm from, I'm in, in downtown Barcelona for all my life. And now, now I have to go there and, and, and what if I don't like it? But I I love it from the very first moment because you know it's so nice to be in the nature and and I don't know you in the city everything is made by humans for humans and it's more comfortable but there is no wisdom there. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit, Breathe, Bow. I hope you found the conversation with Barbara Pardo, Gita Popsanim, encouraging and helpful for your practice. You can find out more by visiting the website for the Borisa Temple at Bori, B-O-R-I-C-E-N-T-R-O-Zen.com, BoriCentroZen.com. And I'll include a link to the Zen Center in the show notes. A special thanks to our sponsor, the Quantum Online Sangha. Listeners of Sit, Breathe, Bow are invited to try a free month of training with the Online Sangha. To access your free month, simply visit quantumzenonline.org and click on the free trial membership button on the homepage. 
And please consider subscribing and leaving a review of this podcast. It helps introduce us to new listeners. I am your host, Ian White-Marr, and I hope you'll join me again next week.